Between all the shopping, Christmas programs, parties, and more shopping, it seems every Christmas comes and goes a little faster every year. Too often in the rush of the season, it's easy to forget to stop and take in the wonder of Christmas. If you just take the time to just look and investigate, you too will be captivated by the wonder of it all. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. When you think about the original Christmas story, Joseph, the father of Jesus, often gets overlooked. But today, Robert Quintana digs deeper into the story and shares the faith and important role he played in making this incredible event possible. In part two of Captured by the Wonder. Let me ask you guys a question. Has anyone here ever wondered what is God's will for my life? What does he want for me? Uh, what's the direction I need to take? Do I need to accept the job offer if it's extended to me? Do I say yes if he asks me on a date? What is God's will for my life? What school should I go to? I've put out all these applications and, and maybe you've gotten back several responses. What school do I go to? What do I do in this business transaction? Do I follow through with this contract? What is God's will for my life? Maybe you're in a season in your life right now where you're going through a time where you're trying to decide what is God's will for my life. And if you're not currently, chances are you have been through those moments. And chances are that you will go through those moments again. I want to share with you a passage in Scripture. And this is where things are going to start getting a little murky and maybe a little bit confusing. But I'd like for you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, quotes from the book of Isaiah, and he says in verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now see, I don't know about you, but I've, I've read this passage many times in the past. And every time I've read this passage, I've always thought of the future. I've always thought about heaven. And I always think to myself, man, what God has prepared for us, we can't even imagine. I mean, are we going to be able to fly in heaven? Well, I don't know, because the Bible says that we can't imagine what it's going to be like. And we ask ourselves, man, or we tell ourselves, it is going to be so awesome, because the Bible says that ear has not heard, eye has not seen, the heart of man cannot imagine. There are some translations that say the mind cannot comprehend the things that God has prepared for us. Well, let me just throw this out there. What if this verse applies now? What if it's not a future thing? 
What if this verse starts now? But we sometimes get caught up, don't we? In wanting to understand step by step, detail by detail, what is God's plan for my life exactly? What is his plan for me tomorrow, three years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now? What are the long range goals here, God? I want to know. And is it possible that maybe we're asking for something that God can't give us right now? Now, see, you might not like the sound of that. That might go, ooh, Pastor Q, that's not how I operate. But is it possible that as we enter into this covenant relationship with him, that he will lead you and guide you in his purpose day by day, step by step, and that we might not know five years from now where God wants us. Now, last week we started this sermon series entitled Captivated by the Wonder. And if you were here last week, you will remember that I I entitled this Captivated by His Wonder because I want to once again be captivated by the wonder that is the birth story of Christ. You know, sometimes we just fly through the holidays with a checklist and we have all these things we need to do. We need to buy all of these presents. We need to make sure and buy the food and prepare the food because we have family coming over and then we have a trip to go visit the in-laws and it's go, 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 go. And sometimes we fly through this season without really ever taking the time to stop and look at the details of the birth story of Christ and be captivated by the wonder that is the birth story of Christ. And so you might remember last week I shared a story about my ornithology class at Southern. I needed an extra science. I didn't know what to do. And so I took ornithology. The rumor was that it was an easy science to take. And sure enough, it wasn't that difficult. But oh my, did it just open a whole new world for me. Because now when I see birds flying around, I just don't pass by, I take the time to pay attention. And when you do that, oh my, you're just captivated by the wonder all around us. You're captivated by the beauty that God has created for us. And so I don't want to go through this holiday season without paying attention to the birth story so that we once again can be captivated by the wonder that is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in so doing, we will learn lessons that we can apply to our lives. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew because we're going to look at one of these stories and we're going to look at it in a little more detail than perhaps you're used to. But go to the book of Matthew chapter 1. It's the first book of the New Testament. It's hard to miss. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start this story with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now we need to stop there. Because this word betrothed is an interesting one in, in, in what it represents. 
the closest thing that I can probably share with you to help you understand what this means is engagement, being engaged to someone. But it's not the same thing, you see, because back in Bible times, being engaged was a big deal. It's not like today where you just, you know, ask someone to marry you and you kind of give them a ring and then they say yes and then there's a period of engagement. But if in that period of engagement, nowadays, if, if you have a change of heart or, you know, things aren't going the way that you want them to, you know, you can always just go back and say, yeah, I think we ought to break off the engagement. And no harm, no foul, you go your separate ways. And, you know, obviously there's hurt and maybe emotional feelings because maybe one was more invested than the other, but it's okay. It happens in our society. Engagements are broken off all the time, but not during Jesus's time and not during the time of being betrothed to someone. You see, because by the time a couple was betrothed to one another, they had already made a covenant that they were going to spend the rest of their lives together. The contract had already been signed. The certificate had already been signed on the dotted line. Now, they couldn't consummate the marriage until the actual, after the marriage ceremony. But to be betrothed to someone meant that you were going to marry them. And this period had to last at least seven days. And it would sometimes take six months Sometimes it would take a year. Sometimes it would take up to two years as they would get their household household in order. They would get the finances in order. They would make all the arrangements necessary to come together and cohabitate together. It would sometimes take a long time. You might remember in the Old Testament, it took Jacob seven years. I like what the Bible says, though, about Jacob. It says that, that even though it, it, it was seven years, because he was so in love with Rachel, it says it felt like days. But sometimes it took a long time for them to get everything in order. And so no easy thing here. It's not like our engagement today. No, 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 no. This was serious stuff. They had already committed to each other. The contract had already been signed. The certificate had already been signed. And it's during this time now, it says Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So they had committed to each other. They were going to get married or finalize the marriage is really a better way of saying it. And during this period of intense engagement, Mary is pregnant. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being Joseph? It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second here. Time out. We haven't been together. That's not allowed until the, after the cer- marriage ceremony. So what is going on? Now, I would venture to say safely that I think in today's day and age, that engagement would have been broken off. Uh-uh. No. If your heart is with another man, then you need to go with him. But no. 
not, not here, not me. There's a door. Well, the Bible tells us here in verse 19 that Joseph was struggling. It says here, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, I'm going to come back to that, a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So here Joseph is having these thoughts that, yeah, this is not going to work. We need to bring an end to this. Now, the word there, just, is an interesting one. It can be translated a righteous or an upright man, but it's an interesting word because there are two schools of thought on what this word really means. On the one hand, over here, the word means that he was just, he was upright, he honored the law, the letter of the law. In other words, Whatever the law says, that's what we're going to do. That has two implications. We're going to come back to that. But over here, on the other hand, the other school of thought is that he valued more mercy and justice. And this is evidenced by what Christ says later in the book of Matthew, where he says, do not neglect the weightier matters of the law, which is to have justice have mercy, and have faith. And so there's two schools of thought here. One, letter of the law, this is what has to happen. And then the other school of thought is he was a just man, but a just man in that he was merciful, he was gracious. Now, I lean more on this side just because of what happens later in the story. We read what happens. But anyways, going back to these two implications on this side, The two implications were you can have a public hearing where everything is laid out for everyone to see. And this is exactly what happened. And this is how Mary has committed adultery against me. This is how she has wronged me. And so everything is out in the public. Everybody knows. The whole community knows. She is shamed and she will carry this reputation for the rest of her life. The other way of taking care of it lawfully was to have a secret trial. And during the secret trial, it would be you, Mary, you would have a few witnesses. You would go and you would have this trial. The divorce would be made final. And then everyone quietly goes their own way. And then you just answer questions however you see fit. And that's what the two schools of thought here. One, just the law. He could have done it two ways. The other way, that he was a just man, he was a merciful and gracious man, which as we read the story, that's why I kind of lean towards this school of thought more. But this is what it says here, verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
Then the Bible says in verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, he's struggling. He's having all these thoughts. Mary has just shared with him that she's pregnant. It's possible that by this time, Mary had already gone to see Elizabeth, her sister, who was also pregnant, you might remember, with John the Baptist. So it's possible that Joseph's at home all alone struggling with this. What do I do? Do I take her? Do I marry her? Should I divorce her? Do I make it a a, a big scene? No, 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 no. We're going to do it, you know, uh, under the table so that nobody knows. Or maybe we need to do this a little more graciously, a little bit more merciful. He's struggling with this. And in the middle of this struggle of what do I do? What is God's will? I mean, what should I do here? I mean, this could affect the rest of my life in a very negative way. What should I do? God reveals to him what he needs to do. And the Bible tells us that he arose. And almost immediately, he takes Mary to be his wife. In other words, he puts his own desires He puts his own will on the back burner. He takes his pride and he says, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to put all of that aside. It's important to me, but it's not as important to me as what you want for my life. So he puts all of that aside and he follows the will of God for his life when God reveals to him what he ought. To do. Now, we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. But before we read that, you probably know the story, but let me just kind of refresh it, kind of bring you up to speed. The Roman emperor has declared that everyone must register. And so they are to go from Nazareth, where they're living, down to Bethlehem, which is where Joseph was from, to register. Now, does anyone want to guess how far Bethlehem is from Nazareth? 70 miles to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. You see, sometimes we just go through this season not paying attention to the details and we think, oh, how cute. Mary got on a little donkey. She went down to Bethlehem. No, no, no. They took a 3,000-year-old trade route down to Bethlehem. They say maybe four, six miles a day. We're talking about several weeks on the trail trying to get down to Bethlehem. But 70 miles later, they find themselves in Bethlehem. By that time, everything is full. They can't find a place to stay. And you know the story. They find a place there um, at the end where Jesus is born. Now let's pick up the story in verse 13. 
Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. What is God's will? He has this dream and it's like, honey, guess what? We're going to Egypt. Does anybody want to guess how far Egypt is from Bethlehem? Not 70, not even 140. The closest it could have been was 230 miles away. This was a journey that didn't take weeks. This journey took months for them to get to Egypt. Now listen, sometimes we hear the voice of God and we say, wait a second, God, that sounds a little too complicated. You know, I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. It occurs to me, and I struggle with this too, But it occurs to me that we have positioned ourselves in this society, in this culture that we live in, that we have positioned ourselves in such a way that it's really difficult to do what God wants us to do if he calls us to do something. I asked someone earlier this week just to kind of get a little feedback. How long would it take you to move if you felt God calling you somewhere Man, at least two months. And I understand that. I probably would have said the same thing. There's a house we need to put up on the market. There's cars that we need to sell. There's stuff we need to put in storage. So God, before I can answer your call, there's things I need to take care of. Now listen, I am not suggesting that we don't plan and I'm not suggesting that that we don't create a home and a family. But is it possible that for as much as we ask for God to reveal to us his will For our lives, we've really put ourselves in a situation that his will really better match up with what I want or else it's not going to happen. We keep on reading the story and apparently this is a, a habit for Joseph. Because we pick up the story in verse 19 and it says, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel." We have reason to believe that he had intentions to settle back down in in Israel somewhere, maybe around um, Bethlehem, maybe going back to the birthplace of Christ. We we kind of have indications of that. But but when he found out who was ruling, he was like, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second! I know Herod is dead, but man, have you heard about his son? His son's like twice as bad." And so he wasn't excited about going back to that area in verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee 
back up to Nazareth. So remember, you have, you have 230 miles back and then 70 miles back up. All right. And it says, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. But here again, time and time again, we see this attitude that says, God, whatever you want, when you reveal your will to me, whatever it is, I'm going to drop what I'm doing and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put pride on the back burner. I'm going to put my plans on the back burner. Yeah, I mean, I know I have plans for this business to grow and I have charted it out for the next 15 years. But God, if you're calling me to do something else, I'm going to abandon that for your honor and your glory. And I'm going to put it all on the back burner and I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to surrender to you. You see, because if Joseph has followed the dictates of his own heart, if Joseph had said, God, that doesn't make any sense. If, if Joseph has said, God, I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure I get what you're saying. No, we're going to make do with what we have right here. He wouldn't have been a part of the bigger picture prophesied for all those years. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. So what was it that captured the excitement of the Magi when they saw the star over Bethlehem? Next week, you won't want to miss the conclusion of this series, Captured by the Wonder, as Robert Quintana brings insight into this little understood story and what we can learn from it. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.